All right. Thank you, Janice. Thank you so much for your faithfulness during your time here. Thank you for uh, for serving. Thank you for encouraging. You just you, you change the room when you come into it. So thank you. Thank you for for being here. Um, again, glad you're here with us today. We're in a series. Uh, I think this is week five called called How to Deal. Talking about there's these difficult things in life. There's there's um, difficult issues in life that sometimes we need help learning how to navigate. And, and so we've just taken a different issue, a different subject every single week and talking about learning how to navigate these hard things in life. We've talked about how to deal with dry seasons. We've talked about how to deal with, it, it sounds weird, but how to deal with success. Sometimes success can be the worst thing that could happen to you. We were talking about how to deal last week with other people's success and how sometimes how we react to the success of other people sometimes sets the stage for our own blessing as well and how God has called us to be a people of joy and how we are to be a people who celebrate the victories of others. So today we're talking about a subject that if maybe other people's success doesn't apply to you very much in life, maybe you just are are always successful and nobody around you is successful, then Man, I need to be around you then. But anyways, um, or maybe I don't need to be around you. So, but, but today, I can guarantee you the subject we're going to talk about how to deal with is going to be something that every single person in this room, every single person listening to this sermon has dealt with at some point in their life. And it's this, how to deal with fear. Fear is a weird subject. And, and it's, it's the number one tactic that Satan uses to delay and destroy the life of the Christian. Scientists have done studies and have discovered that every single person in this world is born with only two fears. Any guesses on what those two fears will be as you you try to figure it out? I'll, I'll tell you what they are, and you can take notes of this. Every single person that was born into this world was only born physiologically with two fears. And it is, number one, the fear of falling, which I don't think my four-year-old has at times. And then second of all, it's the fear of loud noises, right? And so sometimes, now if I wanted to be really cruel, I'd sneak up behind Liam and we'd test those out, right? But I'm I'm a, I'm a Christ-filled follower, so I'm not going to do that, okay, Canaan? But um, so often we think of fear as a bad thing, right? We think of fear as something that tries to delay us, like I said, or handcuff us in our walk. But sometimes there's good fears, right? It's, it's good to have a fear of falling, folks, right? It's good to have a fear of of loud noises. Otherwise, when the taxi driver honks at you, you won't be afraid of what he will do next, right? So there are some fears that have been placed in our life that serve a positive purpose. But for the vast majority of us, majority of us, most fears that we have in life have been placed there to try to slow us down, to try to keep us from living a fulfilled, triumphant life. In the early 1980s, and I can say this now because I just turned 40 yesterday, so I can kind of remember this, okay? So all you young people, you have to listen to your elders that are on stage now, okay? I also, I feel like I have full, by the way, this is a side note. You don't have to put this in your sermon notes. I feel like now that I'm a 40-year-old, I have 
perfect full-on permission to make noises when I stand up and sit down, you know? Like, it's, it's allowed for me to just sit down and go like, ugh, right? Or stand up and go, ugh. Like, that's socially acceptable now, right? It just means that now that I'm 40, I can't use words like lit or turnt, right? Or woke, you know? I, I feel I, I look like I'm trying too hard at that point. But anyways... In the early 19... Let's get back on schedule, Brad, okay? In the early 1980s, it became the rage for for teenagers to take certain aerosol cans like spray paint, different cleaning products, spray them into a paper bag, and then breathe in the bag to get high. It became an epidemic, right? And and, and it became the, the subject of many, many, many news accounts. And so the people who were behind the aerosol industry or the cleaning product industry tried to figure out what to do because people were actually dying because of exposure to these awful, horrible chemicals. So the manufacturers wanted to stop this because it gave them bad press. And so they started, what they did is they hired different consulting agencies and different lawyers to try to figure out what do we do to keep these goofball teenagers from breathing in our oven cleaner, right? And so they, 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 they said, well, if we put a warning label on the can that says, don't breathe this in, it, it, it might have a, have a backfiring effect and make people want to do it even more just to see what the big deal is. So what did they do? They did this. The manufacturers wanted to stop it, but they feared that the larging warning label would make it more attractive. So the consulting lawyer, the man's name was Victor E. Schwartz, asked his clients... What do kids worry about more than death or injury? So he explained, what they worry about more than death or injury is how they look. So what they did is they wrote a warning label that said that sniffing the stuff could cause hair loss or facial disfigurement, right? Obviously it doesn't, but it scared the target audience so much that that uh, trend quickly went away, right? Just an amazing, amazing, I'll say this, you know, I'm not one to, uh, to be a proponent of lying, but that was a really smart lie on the, on the, on the, this is Schwartz, he was a great consultant. But you know, the Bible talks a lot about fear, and oftentimes it's associated with worry or stress or kind of all the other tentacles that are connected to the subject of fear. But the Bible talks a lot about fear, doesn't it, Leah? Because God understands you. God understands how you work. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes you happy. He knows what makes you stressed out. And he knows that as a, as just as a result of how we are created as humans, we have a natural tendency to be susceptible to fear. And so in studying for this and preparing for this, I started to look up. And, you know, there's, I found in, in some of my studies, it says that, you know, there's 365 times within Scripture where the Bible says, do not fear, or it talks about the subject of fear. And there's 365 days in a year, so one day, every, every day for a year, you could look up and see how God tells you to not fear. Well, that sounds great, and that preach is really great, but in my study, I just didn't really find that. So, sorry. It's not in the Bible 365 times, but the subject of fear is in Scripture a lot. And if God says it to me once, I should probably pay attention. But if he says it to me 30, 80, 100 plus times, 
I think he's trying to get my attention. Parents, can you imagine having to tell your kids something 100 plus times and they still don't get it? I mean, that's just basic parenthood anyways, right? But the fact is that God is trying to tell us something about fear because he understands we're susceptible to that issue. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is how to deal with the subject of fear. The main text for today is going to be in 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bible, we'll kind of jump around to a few other places as well. But the main text is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And this is the Apostle John's letter to the church. He's writing this. He says, Such love has no fear because perfect love, that's God's love, expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His, that's obviously, that's God's perfect love. Such love, there is no fear in God's love. Different, different translations change perfect love expels or casts out fear into God's perfect love casts fear out of doors. I love that translation because when I, when I read that translation in the Amplified Bible, it gives me the image of my heart being the doorway to a club and God's love being the bouncer that stands in front of the door. Maybe you don't know what a bouncer is because none of you go to Lankwai Fong. You're all really good Christians and you don't do any of that. But anyways, the point is that, that God's love is the bouncer that stands at the door and tells fear you're not on the list. That's the image I get when I, when I read this, this passage of Scripture. And you know, over 100 plus times in Scripture, the Bible says, do not fear and oftentimes it's under the weirdest of circumstances, isn't it? Think of, think, of, uh, think of Abraham, right? Abraham, father Abraham had many sons, many sons of father Abraham, right? You think of Abraham, he, God had told him to leave all the comforts and, and ease of his former life behind, go off into this new country, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. And so his, his son, Isaac, who he knew was going to be the product of the promise and the nation of Israel was going to go through his son, God tells him, I want you to take your son up on this hill, I want you to kill him and sacrifice him to me. But don't fear, don't worry, because I'll take care of it. What? Another weird circumstance, right? Mary. Hey, Mary, I know you're an unwed teenage girl who's, been, who's done the right thing, but don't worry, don't fear, because the Holy Spirit, which you've never even heard of mentioned before, is going to come in and get you pregnant, and it's going to be my son. Don't fear, though. Don't worry about all that stuff. Just don't worry. Right? It's, it's like God tells us to do not fear, oftentimes under the most illogical, weirdest of circumstances. But... The child of God, if you look at these different passages of Scripture, one thing you, you realize is this, is that the child of God never has to live in fear of what life has in store for them. The child of God never has to live in fear of what life has in store for them. Another way to say it is this, if you are in Christ, life is rigged in your favor. 
If you are in Christ, if you have placed your trust in Jesus and asked him to forgive you of your sins, received his grace, according to Romans 8.28, which says God works all things for the goods of those who love him, life is rigged in your favor. Do you understand what that means? That means that things are just going to come up you in life. That's what we talked about, I don't know how many weeks ago, how our life is not, if you're in Christ, your life does not go from storm to storm to storm to storm. Your life goes from glory to glory to glory if you're in Christ. And if you are in Christ, things are just going to work out for you. Because God takes care of his kids. God loves his children and is going to make sure that things work out for the best for his kids. But you see, what fear does Fear takes this very principle and says, no, that doesn't apply to you. You, however, things are just going to be hard. And, th- and, and Brad wasn't preaching to you. He was preaching to somebody else. Fear tries to tell you that you're the exception to God's rules. Fear tries to tell you that you're the only one that's facing this and there's nobody else in this world who is going to face and deal with what you are dealing with at this very moment and therefore you're on your own, you're alone, and and you're, you're stuck. Fear tries to handcuff you. See, it tries to throw this mindset out of you. See, in counseling people, over the years I've been doing, I've, uh, this summer, I celebrated 20 years of being in ministry. I started as an intern when I was 20 years old at a church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And this summer has been my 20th year working in the church world. And in doing this for 20-something years, for 20 years now, you, you start in counseling with people and meeting people in hard times in life and meeting people where they're stuck and just being able to be that person for somebody so many people who have regrets in their life about how their lives ended up, whatever it is, almost 100% of them could be traced back to believing a fear and allowing some type of fear in their life to overtake them and cripple them. See, what fear is, honestly, fear is a manifestation of a lie. A fear is, is, a, pers- is a physical tangible manifestation of a lie that Satan wants you to believe to keep you from going where God wants you to go. And a lie, when believed to be true, will affect your life as if it were true. A lie, when believed to be true, will affect your life as if it were a truth. And so Satan knows if he can convince you of the lies that he wants to speak over you, and the Bible says Satan is the father of lies, right? Satan holds the copyright or the patent on lies. If if Satan can convince you of this particular lie, manifest itself as a fear that, that keeps you and cripples you in this life, you'll never be able to succeed and never be able to see the life that God wants you to live be manifested in your life. God, you'll never get to, to be a part of that triumphant, victorious John 10, 10 to the fullest life that God wants you to experience if you are allowing fears to continue to bind you up. 
Now, I would be irresponsible if I was going to stand up here and just say, hey, don't fear, don't fear, life's great, life's rigged in your favor, and everything is great. But let me just say this to you right now. If you are not in Christ, if you've never come to a point where you have placed your faith in Jesus, you absolutely have a lot to be afraid of. You don't have a lot to be afraid of from God because Jesus said, I didn't come to this earth to judge this earth, but to redeem this earth. There was only one person in this world who had the right to come and judge us, and he chose to forego that in exchange for redeeming us. You don't have to fear what God has to say to you right now. You have to fear the consequences and the choices and the sins that you've made in this life. But take heart because joy has come into this earth, manifested itself as Jesus Christ himself, and offers you the choice of hope. So if you are not in Christ, if you've never come to a point in your life where you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you do have something to be afraid of. You need to be afraid of the consequences of your sin. I need to be afraid of the consequences of my poor choices. But the moment I enter into that relationship with Christ, the moment I receive His grace and His forgiveness... Those consequences are canceled. And my new life with Christ can begin. But if you are in Christ, the only limit fear has in your life is based on what you allow it to. If you're in Christ, the only limit that fear has in your life is based on what you allow it to. And so, fear, when it tries to come into your life, the love of God stands at the doorway of your heart, crosses his big arms, shows off his guns, and says, you're not welcome here. That's what the love of God does. Scripture talks to us about that time after time after time, why we should not fear. But then there's this other subject of fear that I'd be irresponsible with if I didn't touch on today. It's, this, it's the fear of God. The fear of God is mentioned numerous times throughout Scripture. About a hundred plus times in Scripture, this, this subject of the fear of the Lord is mentioned as a positive trait in people's lives. As if like it's a, a good thing to, be, to have the fear of the Lord. And you look at Proverbs chapter 1. It says the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. So in order for us to really have true wisdom and knowledge in life, it says that that's got to be built on the fear of the Lord. So that brings up the question, how can I love someone I'm scared of? How can I be intimate with someone I'm intimidated by? And this is kind of what I, I, you wrestle with, right? This is what you wrestle with when you're a pastor. And, and, and I feel like in, in doing some studying for this, this sermon today, uh, I felt like God gave me some really good insight I want to share with you. And, and I'm going to take two passages, one from the very first book of the Bible, one from the very last book of the Bible, and, and see how they are connected and what, what God has to show us through that. So if you have your Bible, you can, look, you can open it up to, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. 
Genesis 3, verse 10. So just to catch you up on where this is, God created everything out of nothing just by speaking. He created Adam. He created Eve. They were deceived. They believed a lie. They, they took what God told them not to take. They ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, they understood that they were, they were sinners. And this is where God picks it up, right? This is where Adam interacts with God after he was trying to hide from God when God came looking for him. He says... He, that's Adam, replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. See, oftentimes the fear you feel in life is the result of a lie you believe. You see, Adam feared, was scared of God because of the consequences of what he had just done. And what he did was sin. And, and how we define sin at this church is sin is choosing what you want instead of what God wants. It's simple, right? It's simple, yet it's very deep and long-lasting. And so the reason Adam was hiding was because he was afraid of the consequences of the choices that he just made. But you know, what's interesting is as you read throughout Scripture, if you continue to go on and read through Scripture, Jesus is often referred to as the second Adam. He's the second Adam. Jesus did what Adam didn't. And what Adam didn't do, Jesus did and then some. And so whenever you see that, that whenever we are in our sin, we immediately feel afraid of God, so we want to hide from Him. I want to, I want to show you the, the next interaction between a person and God, it's found in Revelation chapter 1. And oftentimes we associate Revelation with like beasts and weird stories and just stuff that we don't really understand, but there's a lot of truth and tangible, practical, good things in Revelation. So don't discredit Revelation because you don't understand it. But look what happens in, with it between a Revelation between John, the, guy, the same guy who wrote 1 John chapter 4, and Jesus... In this account, Revelation 1, 17. And this is written by him. Like I said, he's a disciple who also wrote the Gospel of John and refers to himself in the Gospel of John as the one that Jesus loved. Now I have to say, you're either a delusionist, egoist, or you're on to something if you call yourself the one that Jesus loved, you either think way too highly of yourself or you get it. Whenever you say, Jesus, I'm the one that Jesus loves. That's what you refer yourself to. So look what he says. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. He says, when I, this when John, when I saw him, and when he, this is when he sees Jesus unfiltered, unlimited, unrestrained, full of glory Jesus in heaven. Who didn't, it's like the Jesus who didn't have to turn the volume down for people to understand him. This is Jesus cranked up to 11 in heaven. This is how, what John sees. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. You see, in Adam, 
We hide from God because in our sin we have everything to fear. But in Jesus, we worship God. Because in His righteousness, we have nothing to hide. You see, in Jesus, the fullness of God is revealed. The Old Testament was Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. But Jesus brought into fullness the love of God for you and for me. So, when we hear the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord does not equal, or does not mean being afraid of God. But the fear of the Lord means being terrified to ever be outside of God's protection for you. The fear of the Lord does not mean I'm afraid or I'm scared of God Himself. The fear of the Lord means to ever be terrified of being outside of the protection that God has for you in your life. Think of it this way. God and God's love for you is an umbrella. And as long as you walk with God, you stay dry from the rains and the storms that happen in this world. You stay underneath that protection. And you stay there, number one, because he loved you first. But number two, you're scared to death of getting wet outside of the protection that that umbrella and his grace provides for you. So the fear of the Lord does not mean being scared of God. It means to be terrified, again, outside of God's protection for you. When I was, the first, whenever we first moved here, I guess maybe about a year or so after moving here, we took a family holiday one Christmas to, uh, to Phuket, right? We went to Thailand for a week, and um, Ryan at the time was just three, three and a half years old, hadn't really uh, figured out the whole swimming thing, right? Um, but has a heart of courage and a heart to try, and so we went to the beach one day rather than the pool, and he said, Dad, I want to go in the ocean, I want to go in the ocean, and the waves were pretty nice that day, okay? And so I said, okay, son, sure, let's go. And so we start to wade out into the water, and I'm holding his little hand at the time, and he says, let's go further, Dad, let's go further, let's go further. I said, no, you're not going to be able to touch the ground. He said, okay, okay, okay. But as soon as we kind of take more steps and then the waves start to get a little more significant, you, you can tell the little guy started to get a little afraid. And so I picked him up, right? And I'm holding him right here with me. And I, and I said, let's go out a little further, Dad. Let's go, out, or let's go out a little further, Ryan. And he said, but he's like, but it's scary. It's scary. And I said, it's okay. I got you. I said, I won't let anything happen to you. I got you. I'm going to hold you real tight. He said, you won't let go of me, Dad? I said, no, buddy. I won't let go, let go of you. He's like, not even for a second? I said, no, Ryan. I won't even let go of you for a second. Because, you see, Ryan understood that as long as his dad held him, everything was going to be okay. But if he tried to wiggle out, if his dad let go of him, that's when the danger would come in. And folks, we serve a God who has promised to not ever let go of us for a second. When waves get way bigger than our head, 
whenever the world tries to overtake us, when fear tries to come into our life and overrun us and overtake us, the love of God stands at the doorway of our heart and says, you're not welcome here. And he's promised never to let you go, even for a second. So there's nothing that you face in this world. There's no wave that will come at you that is not too big, that God is not too big to handle. There's no wave or fear or person or relationship or circumstance or lie that the enemy tries to throw at you that will overcome God. And as long as you stay underneath his umbrella of protection, which oftentimes, uh, sorry to, to bring you down, oftentimes means going to places that don't make you very comfortable. It did not make my three-and-a-half-year-old-at-the-time son comfortable to be in an ocean for the first time with four-foot waves. It just didn't. It just didn't. But being in the arms of your father is the safest place that you can be. Let's pray. God, I pray that this week you would allow the fear of the Lord to take root in our life. That we would understand that the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of you or being intimidated by you. But it's being afraid to get outside or beyond where you've called us to be outside that umbrella of protection. As long as we're obedient, as long as we, we go where you call us to go, as long as we do what you called us to do, then there's nothing that this world can throw at, the, throw at us. There's no lie that the enemy can, can create that can affect us. But it's only when we choose to, to step outside of that on our own that we get wet. So God, help us to take root of this week that we can, we can fear you and love you too. So that when fear comes and knocking in our life, when lies try to manifest themselves in the form of fears in our life, that your perfect love could cast them out, could tell them they're not welcome, could protect you, could protect us, could protect me. God, I pray you would bless your church this week, that our fear of you would be rooted in our understanding of your love for us. That, that we would know that our God will not let us go for a second.
if we are in Christ, we have nothing to fear. Because your perfect love has cast out fear. I pray you would make us a people of hope this week. I pray you'd make us a people of light this week. That as we walk out into this world, that, that people would see Christ in us. They would see the, the, the boldness, the courageousness, the, the love and the compassion we have for all people. And that they would begin to wonder who this God is that we serve. That God, we would be a church that's known more for what we are for than what we're against. That we would be a church, a people, a family that is known as a family of hope, of love, of joy, of celebration, of courage, of light, and of life. God, may we, in whatever way you call us to this week, may we change our world. I pray hope and goodness and empowerment over your people today. May we take the light with us wherever we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for coming today. Again, if this is your first time with us, if you wouldn't mind, just again, we'll show you again. If you'll go to our website, newheightshongkong.com, and then click on the little connect button and just give us a little bit of your information. It lets us know uh, just a touch about you, and then it allows us to give you just a small gift, just our way of saying thanks for being with us. Um, We'd really appreciate it. Be blessed this week. We'll see you next. Did you all have fun today? This was fun, yeah? All right, what do you say we do this again next week? You want to? Okay, all right, thank you. You are blessed, you are empowered, you are loved by God himself, and you are dismissed. Thank you. Have a great week.